Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. Hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. With questions and participants from all around the world. Anthony Edwards! Put that on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slam and Jam. Back is, I missed this shot, I walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get The Athletic for a discounted rate. I've got my co-host, Alex Spears here. And Alex, what happened in the NBA this week? Well, Andrew, it was our first full week of basketball, which means if this is your first time listening to the show during the season, it's time to take a look back at the week that was. Dive into the highlights. And it all started last Friday night when the Toronto Raptors beat the Boston Celtics 115-83, to led by rookie Scotty Barnes and his 25 points. In his first five games, Barnes is now averaging 17-8 with 2.5 assists. Pretty impressive. On Saturday, the Cleveland Cavaliers, my Cleveland Cavaliers, got their, got their first win of the season, a 101-95 victory of the Atlanta Hawks. The win would be the first of three this week for the Cavs, who are now on track to fulfill my prophecy that the Cavs would beat their over-under by 10 games. On Sunday, Orlando got their first win of the season with a surprising 110-94 victory over the Knicks at MSG. Cole Anthony, the Magic's leading scorer this season, put up a wild 29-16-8 line in this game. On Monday... We had an overtime thriller between the Boston Celtics and the Charlotte Hornets, won by Boston 140 to 129. The game featured numerous highlights, none bigger than an awesome early season poster of Miles Bridges by Jalen Brown in overtime. On Tuesday, the LeBron-less Lakers played the first leg of a road back-to-back, coming away with a 125-121 overtime win in San Antonio, a game featuring a classic 33-10-8 from Russell Westbrook. For a brief moment, normalcy was restored for the Lakers. But the second leg of that back-to-back would not go as smoothly because on Wednesday, the Lakers got up by 26 in the first half on the hapless, embarrassing black eye for the league, flirting with (laughs) 9 and 73. How do they keep getting away with it? Oklahoma City Thunder. But to everyone's surprise, the Thunder won. They beat the Lakers, largest comeback in franchise history. And finally, on Thursday night, we had two incredible games. The Bing Bong Knicks defeated the Chicago Bulls, our back Bulls, 104-103, a game that ended when DeMar DeRozan's last second attempt fell just short. And on the West Coast, the Memphis Grizzlies won an overtime thriller against the Golden State Warriors. Steph had a chance to win at the end of regulation, but after he missed, it was John Morant. And the Grizz finishing off the big win in overtime. What a week it was, Andrew. Wouldn't you agree? 
I would agree. Very, very fun week in the league. It was, it was fun getting to see the Westbrook game in person. It just, he can't do normal. He can't do just run-of-the-mill regular season game. He just doesn't do it, and it's awesome. Uh, I got to say, I was uh, checking in on some Lakers podcasts. I was listening to Silver Screen and Roll after that yeah. loss, just to see what what's up, see what's <laughs> going on. And it's very fun. You can hear Lakers fans going through the exact same process that Thunder fans oh, yeah. went through so many years ago. It's uh, it's very interesting. But actually, Andrew, it was a great week, but it wasn't all great. Now, yeah. typically, Andrew and I try to avoid talking about the Thunder during our uh, opening segments. It, we you know, tried. We, we tried. Okay. We're trying. It's it's a national show. And also, who really wants to talk about a team at the bottom of the standings? Well, apparently everyone does. <laughs> because over the last week, the Thunder have become a topic of conversation on nearly every national NBA podcast I listen to. And the conversation has decidedly been one-sided. And it's strange, too, because if you look at the standings, the Thunder don't even have the worst record. That'd be Detroit, who are winless yep. on the season. The Thunder don't even have the worst point differential as of Friday, as of recording. <laughs> that would be Orlando. The, We're, yeah, they don't play again until Saturday, so they should be okay. <laughs> uh, worst offense in the league? That's Detroit. Worst defense? Yeah. Orlando. And yet, no one is talking about Orlando or Detroit. No one cares. But they do care about OKC for some reason. And after a week of listening to national shows make bad arguments about this team they're obsessed with, I thought, why not share our knowledge and expertise as Thunder fans to help explain some things? So, without further ado, this is the top five things your favorite NBA podcaster gets wrong about the Thunder. Now, uh, if Andrew or I happen to be your favorite podcaster, this list will not have its intended effect. It'll actually, uh, (laughs) it would be the opposite effect. But for the rest of you... For the rest of you, let's begin. Okay, Andrew, number let's five. Let's also be clear that Alex is like doing his best to rein me in throughout this whole thing. Like he is, he's trying to cage me a little bit. Listen, me, like. me and Andrew, we were texting earlier this week. We had totally different things we were going to talk about, but yeah. it just kept piling up. Podcast after a podcast, we felt like we had to respond. Okay, well, and this this is this is a this is a podcast war started by Mo Dekeel. Dave DeFore was just trying to say something nice about going to a game in OKC. Was he? And then Mo, Mo De, he was. He Andrew, was. it's a coordinated attack. It's a coordinated I saw, attack. I, I saw Dave. I love Dave. Gave him a big hug. And I would do it again. But this is a podcast war started by Mo DeKeel. And this is what we, we were forced into doing this. Our hand was forced. Uh, so number five. These are in no particular order in terms of importance. Number five thing that your favorite NBA podcaster gets wrong about Thunder. The Thunder shut down SGA last season with a fake injury. Now, this is probably the most often repeated argument against what the Thunder are currently doing. It's often given as exhibit A for how terrible the Thunder's tanking is and why you should feel bad about it too. There's a problem though, and it rarely gets mentioned, which is that Shea also didn't play for Team Canada during this past summer's Olympics qualifiers. And a quick Google search brings up past articles and interviews with Shea talking about how excited he is to represent Canada in basketball alongside his cousin, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and his teammate, Lou Dort. So either the injury, which was reported as plantar fasciitis, an injury that is notoriously difficult to heal, was real, causing him to miss the final 29 games of the season and the Olympic qualifiers that he was so excited to participate in, or 
and this this would be really problematic if this is true. What if Shea Gilgis Alexander is so bought in to the Thunder's plan that he agreed to go along with a fake injury through the spring and summer at the expense of missing out on representing his country? Which is Canada, it? Canada's tanking for the world draft. Right? Yeah, what what Isn't is that this? How it works? I, yeah. Listen, I get when it happened with the timing, why people would initially think that. But there's not a real good argument for why he sat out then in the summer. He, he yeah. never gave any indication that he didn't want to play for Canada in the Olympics qualifiers. Well, for the, sa- for the same thing that happened with the Warriors when they got the second pick in the draft, the, the bubble year where they didn't go to the bubble because they were so bad they didn't go to the bubble, I di- you didn't hear one person questioning Steph Curry's timeline. Like now, I don't even I don't even hear about it, and yeah, people do still it. want to talk about Shea and about what happened then. Who knows what Who knows what Shea's injury status was whenever he set out the whole time, and who knows what Steph's injury status was? But it was the same thing. And what bothers me is that the Warriors don't get brought up in it, but the Thunder do because because why? Like I don't know. Like the Warriors are also expert tankers, but they're somehow just go under the radar because they're light years. I don't know. Which brings us to number four. Number four thing your favorite NBA podcaster gets wrong about the Thunder. The Thunder are wasting Shea Gilgis Alexander's career. Now, the argument usually goes something like, Shea is too good to be doing this. He needs to be on a better team. He should ask for a trade. The Thunder should trade him. The assumption being that, well, of course Shea isn't on board with this. In fact, he must be surprised by what's going on. Hashtag free Shea. The problem is what has literally every single player who's left OKC in the past couple of years said about Sam Presti. Whether it's Paul George, Chris Paul, Al Horford, Kemba Walker, even current Thunder Derek Favors, all of them have gone out of their way to say how Sam Presti was so direct, so clear with them about the direction of the team and how they fit into that plan. Go listen to Kemba Walker on the low post describe how OKC bent over backwards to do right by him, and yet despite that, We all of a sudden think that Presti isn't having those same conversations with his star player, his star player who just so happens to be represented by Thad Foucher. Do you know who Thad Foucher also represents? Russell Westbrook. Foucher is likely closer to the OKC organization than any other agent in the league based on his time representing Russ and OKC. So you really believe that SGA and Thad Foucher, agent of Russell Westbrook, aren't aware of Presti's plan, that it has not been communicated? Then why did they sign a five-year max extension with no opt-outs? If he was trying to get out of Oklahoma City, why would you not put a player option on the end of that? Why would you not demand that from this small market team that you have total control over? He got a five-year max with no opt-outs. Yeah. Also, Thad represents Lou Dort, and Lou Dort was undrafted. They basically got to choose what team he went to. If he thought that the OKC situation was going to be so bad, why would they even pick up the phone when Sam called? Why? Why would you even do it if it was going to be that bad of a situation? You got to choose at that point. I'm sure there was more than one team interested in bringing Lou Dort to camp, right? Yeah, and and I think it's important to point out, we're not even saying that it's completely impossible that at some point during this, OKC trades SGA. Like, I, I'm not personally ruling that out. It's more yeah. that there's been no indication from the team, from SGA, that 
any the, I've, like that anyone I've isn't spoken on board. to him multiple times. I've talked to him after every game, before every game. He did a podcast with me before the season that's up on YouTube. Anybody can go watch it. There's no indication that he's upset. Now, and I also fully admit that now is not the time to ask if he's discontent with the team. I think after the season would be a better time. Like, okay, you just lost 60 games. Right. Do, do you, how do you feel now? Or even the season after? Because I don't think this is going to end after this season. So after next, after the next season, when you've lost 60 games two years in a row, like now are you still bought in? Like that's the time to ask the question. But as of now, like there's no issues. And so what's the alternative path? Like I, th- I think that a comparable player to SGA, the like top 20-ish type of player that he could be is like Devin Booker, right? Mm-hmm. Devin Booker played for a very, very bad Suns team for years. Here, they picked fourth, fourth, first, sixth in the four drafts after they selected Devin Booker. They selected Bender, Josh Jackson, they got lucky and got DeAndre Ayton, and they traded the sixth pick for Cam Johnson and Sarge. Great. Cool. The Thunder have done one of those. One. That's it. And to me, the Suns tried to put nice teams around Booker through the years, and they couldn't do it. They didn't have the... They expended assets. They tried to put a good team around him. It just did never work. Now, I feel like what's being asked of the Thunder by people that don't like what they're doing today is, hey, go overpay for some free agents, use some of your picks to sign some players, and just shut up and be a 32-win team, okay? Just swallow the pill of being a 32-win team and get the ninth pick and don't get another good player on your team. Because honestly, if you look at this Thunder roster, what do they need? Like they need more high-level talent because the, the mediocre-level talent, you can go get it. Like you can go get that via trade during the season. That could right. happen. But the only way that this Thunder team is getting high-level players is through the draft. And the Suns did it for years. They finally made it. But it took them 10 years to get to the finals after they made the playoffs last. It's taking them 10-plus years to get to back-to-back playoffs. They haven't made back-to-back playoffs since Steve Nash, the coach of the Nets now, was the point guard for their team. They haven't made it back-to-back yet. And I think- so then you could say, like, what is the, what is the other... Like Brad, Bradley Beal's the other guy, right? Like, Bradley Beal's a similar level of player that SGA could potentially be. Not the best player on a championship team, but maybe the second best, maybe ideally your third best player on a championship-level team. Great. They've averaged 38 wins per season with Bradley Beal. And that's even with the years with Russ, the years with healthy John Wall, all of that. He's never been out of the second round. He's always in trade rumors. But it all comes down to, like, what's the state of goal of the team? Well, the state of the goal of the Washington Wizards is let's, let's just get in. Get us in the playoffs. That's all we care about. The state of goal of the Thunder is to be sustainably successful so that maybe you have a shot to win a title. That's the goal. And so if, if they had similar goals to the Wizards, boy, the Thunder could be the Wizards in a snap. They have enough assets to be the Wizards in a snap. But they don't. that's not what they want to be. So when we compare them to other teams, like, we have to know – like, what are the organizational goals? And, like, that really, really matters at the core of, like, how these teams are being built. And you look at Devin Booker now and how he's set up for the future. Like, he is in an amazing situation. Ignore the current standings. <laughs> I think they're, like, one and three or one and four. But right. the reason they he is in such a good situation is because of all of those young 
picks. They have a young core, yeah. and they, assuming they play, pay DeAndre Ayton, they have a young core that's going to be good for the foreseeable future. And it's yeah. all because they brought in high-level blue chippers year after year after year. Yeah. If they didn't hit on that Ayton pick, and let's say that they're like, oh, you know, we're, we're just going to get a guy like uh, like Ayaka Pirtle to be their center. Oh, Great. wow. <laughs> Shots Pick- at Pirtle on Spurs week, Andrew. That's right. Shots at Pirtle. Just trying to tie this all together. What do they get in that draft? Like, they're a little bit better, still don't make the playoffs. You get the eighth pick in that draft, and you don't get Aiden. Then what are you? Like, what are the Suns without Aiden? Like, are, they don't get to the finals last year. I'll tell you that much. They don't. I don't know. Okay, next one. Number three, the Thunder tank is worse than Philly's process. Now, did we, did we forget the Philly process? Did we erase it from our memories? People are worried about the development of OKC's young players in this environment. <laughs> did we forget Sam Hinkie drafted three centers in a row while starting Isaiah Cannon as their point guard? Despite OKC's youth, they are running sets that put their players in the best position to succeed, and they clearly have a type based on who they've drafted. And even more importantly, it hasn't even been a full season of being bad. Golden State, Sacramento, Minnesota, New Orleans, San Antonio, Cleveland, Detroit, Chicago, Charlotte. Do you know what those nine teams have in common? OKC has been to the playoffs more recently than all of them. The Thunder played a playoff game on September 2nd, 2020. And yet, you turn on any NBA podcast this week, and it sounds like OKC's been doing this for a decade. It's been 34 games, if you count the 29 that Shea missed last season and the opening five games of this season. 34 yeah. games. Philly tanked for four years, and we're already <laughs> getting this. Yeah, the Thunder tanked for half a season, half a, half a shortened season. And it was bad. Straight bad. I admit it. I was in the arena for a lot of it. it we was watched bad. it. It was terrible. It was really, really bad, man. But to act like this Thunder team is like a black eye to the league. Like, that's another thing that was like tweeted out. Like, black eye to the league. Like, oh my gosh. This team, in the 80 months that they have played basketball as a part of the NBA, they have won, had a winning record in 59 of those months. 59 out of 80 months, they have had a winning record in the NBA. So it's just, it's absolutely nuts to think that this has just been going on for so long. When is this ever going to stop? Listen, it just started. It just now started. It hasn't been a year yet since the Thunder took Alexa Pokushevsky in the draft. And they had to trade up because their pick wasn't good enough to get him at 17 because the team was too good. So don't tell me that this is taking this is taking so long. Oh, what's happening to Shea's career? Shea was in the playoffs a year ago. Shea's been to the playoffs. There are there are look at the Sacramento Kings. No one is crying about Darren Fox right now. Is anybody crying about well they're wasting Darren Fox's career? You could actually say that. It could actually be said and it be fine because he hasn't been to the playoffs. They haven't been, even been close. Shea's been to the playoffs with this franchise. It's nuts. It's a, it's, a, it's a crazy argument that this is possibly worse than the Sixers process. And look at the rosters. Like, actually, just 
go on basketball reference and look at the rosters side by side and what the Sixers had at their worst. And this is probably the worst version of the Thunder because they're going to get another high lottery pick in this next draft. They're going to bring in more young talent to this team. This is probably the absolute worst that they're going to be. Okay? Compare the rosters. They have a roster that actually functions. They beat the Lakers. Is this the week to go to war against them? They beat the Lakers on Wednesday. It's week two, Why is this the week? Why is this the week? They've already pushed us this far. (sighs) All right, number two. This is probably my favorite dumb one. Sam Presti is doing this just to keep his job. Now, this is a favorite argument of Bill Simmons, the idea that GMs concoct these tanking plans as a way to give themselves a long runway and not be held accountable because when you're tanking, losing is winning. But we're not talking about any GM, though. Sam Presti did this exact same thing 14 years ago when he stripped the Supersonics down to their studs and began a multi-year process of tanking. The ownership group was clearly on board with it then, And after 10 playoff appearances in the last 12 years, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that they're probably on board with it now. Yeah, without a doubt. That that to me is kind of a crazy one. Because honestly, Sam, you could even argue that Sam is like so process-oriented to a fault where, do you think... I, th- I think the ownership would have felt better if the Thunder took Shangun at 16. I think everybody would have felt better had the Thunder done that, right? I would have, yeah. Like, you would have, I would have, I like Shangun, still like him. But the process there is clearly that the value of the 16th pick versus two future picks is just, it's a its a better way to do it. It's, it's going to hopefully lead to more sustained success later. And, but wouldn't bring bring in like lots of young talent make your ownership a little bit more happy and give you like a longer runway, right? Like you'd think that that would piss some people off. But the thing is, like the move was made because they he believed that the value was there, and that's it's been very clear. He's been public about that. So I I don't know what they expect OKC to do at this point because if I mean the Thunder of been very clear that they want to have a sustained success like in the league again. They want to do what they did again. They want to repeat the 10 years of being in the playoffs. Great. Cool. How do they get there with the tools that they have in front of them? Because you go look at like, when was the last, I think it was even said on the Nerder show, when was the last time that they got a free agent? Like, who are they supposed to get? Like, who are the difference makers they're supposed to get? In like the last 15 years, the only like difference maker, the only elite player that has signed with a small market's been Lamarcus Aldridge, and he's like the bottom rung of elite. Like that's the only difference maker. That's it. You think they should just stand there and hold it? They they when they were good, when they had Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, they couldn't get old Pau Gasol to sign here. He would have rather played mm-hmm. for a mediocre Bulls team because, because it was more cultured. City. Andrew, we didn't have the opera. Yeah. It's that's a that's it. So that one, mark it off. The best free agent the Thunder have ever gotten, and they've tried, is Nerlens Noel. That's the best. That's man, Nerlens Noel's pretty good. That's it. That's the best one. Just cross that one out. That's one way to get better. Nope, not going to be the way. Trade. Small markets that have tried to acquire players and keep them for longer than like three or four seasons. 
It's like it's like a less than five percent chance. Like, look what happened with Paul George. The Thunder are like exhibit A of why you maybe shouldn't do that or how it's not going to lead you to sustain success. Period. Because Paul George was here, and the story that uh, that ESPN and Ramona Shelburne released that I mean it was really fascinating. That basically like Russ asked out, which pushed Kawhi to ask Paul to get like all right, that was yeah, like yeah. really very really very interesting. But Paul George left, and uh, honestly, like. Paul did the Thunder a huge solid in re-signing and because now they have all this boatload of assets and whatever. Like, that's great. But that's not a way, that's not a path to what the stated goal is, right? Like, that's not a path to the stated goal. The draft. Picking in the top five, the odds that you're going to get an elite player is 36%. Looking back at, like, the last 15 years, the real difference makers, the elite players, it's a 36% chance. So, are the odds good there? Nope. But are they better? Is it better than 1%? Yep. Is it better than 5%? Yep. Eventually, you're going to hit. If you can be bad enough for long enough, eventually you're going to hit and get an elite player. And if you pair an elite player next to Shea, next to Josh Giddy, next to Lou Dort, then you actually have something. Like, that's the vision. It's not that hard to see. You talk, the Nerder guys talked about not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. They get an elite guy in this next draft. It's freaking bright as can be. <laughs> I, I agree. And I, I would say we are both acknowledging, and I think Sixers fans back in the day would acknowledge this too, like we have, we're under no illusions that this is guaranteed to work. This could absolutely fail. We know this yeah. could fail. I just gave the odds. The odds are actually against a team getting there. The, like that's yeah. The odds are against it. The most likely scenario when you have a team based in Oklahoma City is that you will never win an NBA Finals. We know that. Yeah. And that's still yeah. the most likely scenario. But you have to do something different then to turn the odds in your favor. Now, finally, the number one thing your favorite podcaster gets wrong about the Thunder, the Thunder will face relocation if this continues. Ah, yes. The argument that this team is going to be so bad that they are forced to relocate. Step one, they're bad. Step two, question mark. Step three, OKC gets relocated. A terrifying proposition for OKC fans. <laughs> Sacramento has missed the playoffs 15 straight seasons, and even they weren't relocated. If how bad a franchise was at playing basketball determined whether you got to stay in your city, Sacramento would have moved a decade ago. And now you expect OKC to relocate because they might be bad for a couple seasons? What, what do you think is going to happen? Are you worried about their finances? Did you know that if the money they are going to make from luxury tax payments alone this season was a player on their roster, it would be their second highest paid player? The Thunder paid the tax in five of the last seven seasons. They've paid the seventh highest amount in luxury tax payments since 2002. What are you talking about? So in conclusion, what do you want from us? <laughs> we're an NBA team based in Oklahoma City. No offense to us, but this league isn't exactly set up for a team in Oklahoma City to succeed. Do you want us to yeah. go sign Kelly Olenek so we can lose all our games but avoid criticism somehow? Do you want do you want our plan to be to jump from 9 to 2 with a 6% chance and draft John ja Morant or draft a generational star at pick 15? Those aren't plans. I get it. People don't like tanking. But that's your problem. Direct your anger at a league that, despite tanking, remains heavily weighted in favor of big markets. We have enough problems. Leave us alone. Yeah. Get out of here. Come up, if you can come up with a good alternative plan for the Thunder to, to get to title contention, please let us know. 
Let us let us know what the what's the other path. Hey, tell us uh, what the other path is. DMs are open, and we'll make sure the Thunder get it. My DMs are closed, but you can hit me up, (laughs) and I will quote tweet you and probably dunk all over you. But uh, that's 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 going to be your choice. All right. Enough of that. Also, big shouts to the Wizards. Great start, Wizards. All right, good job, guys. Four and one. Four and one. All right. Right after this quick break, we are going to talk about the San Antonio Spurs. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It is now time for the Wheel of Fandom, where each week we spin a digital wheel. It lands on an NBA team and we follow that team for the next week. This week... The wheel landed on the San Antonio Spurs, who started the season with a win over the Magic, but unfortunately, the wheel of fandom did not treat the Spurs well. The Spurs lost all four games they played this week, losing to the Nuggets, Bucks, Lakers, and Mavs. The Spurs now sit at 1-4, but is there reason for hope? Let's find out. Andrew, if the Spurs are our team this week on the wheel of fandom, who is our guest? We've got Bruno Passos here from Pounding the Rock. Bruno, what's up, man? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining. Uh, so our first question is, with the departure of LaMarcus Aldridge, Rudy Gay, Patty Mills, and DeMar DeRozan, the Spurs seem to finally be leaning into their young guys this offseason. So for Spurs fans, does this feel like a different approach or like anything dramatic for them, as it seems from the outside? And then how excited are Spurs fans for this shift in philosophy? I'd say it's definitely quite the change from last year. Um, last season kind of prepared fans for this. Pop tried to make that a transitional year in terms of the system, and he tried to take the ball a little bit out of the hands of DeMar DeRozan, and obviously LaMarcus Aldridge wasn't um, quite as involved in that season. So started to try and move that to, um, you know, giving these younger guys a bit more responsibility. Um, that said, you know, you, you guys said it, four losses in a row now, and a lot of that is because of the youth. So, um, these guys are in new positions now, especially uh, to close out games and uh, early returns haven't been great. But, you know, I think everyone's, including fans, team uh, alike, are saying this is a bit of a process, a long play. So um, some of this was definitely expected. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because despite being one and four, the Spurs actually have a positive point differential through five games because they beat Orlando so so by so much, but also all of these games that they've lost have really been close competitive games against four likely playoff teams. So what have been some of the early season issues that have prevented the Spurs from picking up a few more wins? Yeah, they're playing teams close to those first three quarters, you know, on the backs of, uh, you know, I think a solid defense and uh, the ability to get out and transition and run, generate turnovers. But, you know, the, the game slows down and this is a team that Pop himself has admitted doesn't have that primary option, that go-to guy, especially to close out games. So, you know, you're seeing them really trial that out and see who who should they put the ball in, what are those situations? And that's a real challenge. I think we're going to see this team hang tough uh, with teams throughout the year because of that defense, because uh, everyone can play together. Uh, a lot of system familiarity with these young guys, uh, even the ones that haven't played much yet. They've learned this through the uh, through the G League and that Austin system. So um, it's it's just going to be when can they turn that corner on that uh, crunch time uh, execution and can they find somebody who they can put the ball, uh, whose hands they can put the ball in to uh, get that bucket uh, and those, 
you know, final minutes of a game. So one spur that has been off to a really good start is Jakob Pertl. Uh, first of all, before I get into the basketball question, uh, I came up with a business idea for Jakob Pertl, and it's uh, Jakob Pertl's peanut brittle, and you call it Jakob Pertl's peanut brittle. Just throwing that out there for any Spurs fan that maybe wants to start something, maybe even Jakob, if you're listening, I just think it's a good idea. I like it. No, I think all the more ideas, the better. With uh, he's a he's a rising brand, like you said. <laughs> there we go. Okay, good. I was a little afraid to even say it, but um, I'm glad that it's out there now. I love okay, it. so Pirtle has been strong defensively, but has had a much more expanded role in offense this season, highlighted by a career high of 27 points against the Lakers on Tuesday. Uh, what have you noticed that's different about Pirtle this year so far? Yeah, I wrote about this a bit last week. Um, and it's definitely something that uh, has been seen. He's touching the ball a lot more. He's involved in um, every set heavily. Um, you know, this is a team that, again, doesn't have that primary option. So they're going to depend on uh, a lot of off-ball movement, a lot of heavy motion offense. And Jakob Pertl's involved there. He's setting screens. He's um, facilitating through handoffs. He's uh, expanding kind of what he does as a passer and in, t- in terms of hitting cutters. Uh, and he's also doing a bit more himself. You know, he's, he's, he's getting on the block and trying to attack uh, the defense that may not be expecting him to do so. So um, he's really been one of the the bright points so far. One of the um, one of the things that we learned this week was that the Spurs would be sending the number twelve pick Josh Primo down to the G League. How did Spurs fans react to this news? Was this always expected as part of the plan with Primo, or did they freak out? Look, if if the young guy isn't coming in and playing twenty minutes a night immediately, there's a contingent of Spurs fans that are never happy. Yes, and that's so me. We, 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 <laughs> and we, we see that every year. So, you know, you, we kind of become conditioned to this now. as like how that discourse is going to go. So uh, not a surprise with Primo, even though he's a higher pick than usual. He came in as the youngest guy in the draft, youngest guy in the league, I think, right now. Um, and, you know, the idea was that if he'd stayed another year, maybe he would have been, been a, a high lottery pick. Uh, Spurs decided to take a gamble of him, bring him into the system sort of a year earlier. And, you know, he's bought into it. And it's really, I think, what's best for him and the team because if he was on the team, I think the team sees a relatively high ceiling with him as, as an on-ball guy, as somebody who can really do more than really what the current core can do. And Austin is really the best place for him to do that. He can get the, the volume of reps and the type of role that he really wouldn't get kind of coming off the bench uh, for the, the varsity squad and probably you know standing in the corner uh, doing very little. I think it's 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 probably what's best. Sounds like spin. That really is is what the team would say as well. But um, it's probably what's best for for everyone. And and I think we're going to see Primo uh, turn some heads in the G League and just make those same fans uh, even antsier to to get him out um, with the the main group of guys. Yeah, I was going to ask, what were some of your early impressions of him from summer league or preseason? Like, what, what do you what do you think about his game so far? What you've been able to see? He's looked good. I definitely can't say that I was familiar with him in college. He wasn't somebody that was on the radar of most people who was who were looking at that 12th pick and who they might go with. But, um, you know, seeing him in, in summer league and G League, he's he's fearless. He's somebody who plays with a poise beyond uh, his years. Um, uh, he can do stuff that a lot of these the, the, the current group can't really do, which is create, pull up those threes um, um, and and just do a little bit more off the dribble as potentially a primary option down the road. So uh, I think he's definitely somebody to get excited about and uh, worth keeping an eye on um, and, and playing with the Austin Spurs. Yeah, big shout out Matt Penny, biggest uh, Primo fan I know out there. Uh, 
So there's a lot of young guys on this roster. You have Vassell, yeah. you have Lonnie Walker, DeJounte Murray, Keldon Johnson. Uh, of that group, who's been most exciting to you so far this season? So far this season, you know, uh, Vassell's had uh, a lot of good games or a few very good games that kind of tease that maybe he's, he's taken that second year leap, doing a little bit more off the dribble, uh, showing that three point stroke and um, still just building on what, you know, uh, being a real menace on defense. Uh, DeJounte Murray has sort of stepped into that uh, void of playmaking that uh, DeMar DeRozan left behind. So we're seeing him get those first reps down the stretch. That's had some mixed results, but you know he's, he's he can put a triple double uh, up on any given night, and uh, again another solid defender. So uh, those two have really provided um, a real punch on the perimeter. And, and I already mentioned Jakob Pertl, but again, uh, not uh, not the youngest guy on the team, but still part of that uh, youth movement of the, the past few years. And uh, seeing that leap for him has has been huge for for this team. And I think he'll he'll continue to be uh, potentially the most valuable player on this team, just given his role in offense and the sort of lack of depth behind him. Yeah. Some of uh, DeJounte's assist totals were kind of surprising, just like looking at his past stats. And obviously he was playing with, you know, DeMar DeRozan and other guys who would handle the ball, but it's been pretty impressive how quickly he stepped up into that like primary initiator role and just taking it over for the Spurs. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, um, it's not something that he's, he's really shown a true strength in just yet. You know, he's been gotten a lot of reps since, uh, inheriting the kind of starting point guard role from Tony uh, years ago. Um, but, you know, he's, he's shown a bit more comfort in the pick and roll, uh, making some higher level plays than we've seen in the past. And, and that's good. The, the, the team, like I said, definitely needs that uh, the type of playmaking. Well, Bruno, thank you so much for answering our questions. But it is now time to play Andrew versus the Beat, our weekly game show where Andrew goes head to head against a beat writer. Of course, this week, Bruno Passos from Pounding the Rock. Bruno, how this works, I have come up with eight questions that are Spurs adjacent or directly Spurs. Uh, You're going to give me a number between one and eight. That'll correspond to a question. It may be very easy, may be very hard. If you get it right, you get two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal for one. It will go back and forth until all the questions have been asked and answered. So start us off with a number between one and eight. Go eight. Number eight. The Spurs made the playoffs 22 consecutive seasons from the 97-98 season until the 18-19 season. During that stretch, San Antonio beat every other Western Conference team in a playoff series at least once. Which Western Conference team suffered the greatest number of playoff defeats to San Antonio, losing five different playoff series to the Spurs over that 22-year span? Oh, so I have the option to pass if I want or, or take a stab at it. I mean, you could pass, but you yeah. would lose the possibility of points. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, okay, I now should I, know this. I have narrowed it down to 14. Oh, all right. Because there's only 14 uh, other Western Conference oh, teams. Oh, 14. They said 14. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's very generous of you. Um, <laughs> five times. I will go with the uh, upstate rival Dallas Mavericks. The Dallas Mavericks. That is... Incorrect, Andrew. You have a chance to steal for one point. Oh my! Spurs have beaten them five different times in the playoffs. Is this the Lakers? The Lakers? That is. That's what I said. Incorrect, Andrew. The correct answer was the Phoenix Suns. 
Oh, that's that. that another one I had on my radar. A lot of those, a or a couple of them were from like the late 90s, which is probably why that one was hard. Okay. Yeah. All right, Andrew, your turn. Number one. Number one. When the Dallas Chaparrales, I think that's how you say it, of the ABA were purchased and moved to San Antonio in 1973, they were not originally known as the Spurs. Before holding a Name the Team contest, the ownership group had originally settled on this name. So I'm going to give you five names. One of them is correct. It's what the Spurs were originally called when they moved to San Antonio. The Toros, the Diamondbacks, the the Brigades, the Matadors, the Gunslingers. So once again, that was the Toros, the Diamondbacks, Brigades, Matadors, Gunslingers. Oh, boy. Which do you think it was? You have a 20% chance of getting it right. I'll go with the Brigades just because you struggled with it. I did struggle with it, but you struggled with that one because that is incorrect. <laughs> Bruno, you have a chance to steal for one point. Would you like that me to repeat the, the names? I, I, no, that should be the Gunslingers. That is the Gunslingers for one point, and Bruno is on the board. And, Bruno, it's your turn again. Uh, let's keep counting down. Let's go seven. Okay, number seven. The Spurs have had an assortment of three-point specialists over their franchise's history. For this question, we are going to attempt to name every player in the top ten list for three-pointers made in Spurs franchise history. Now, how this works, don't worry, Bruno. I see you getting nervous. You're going to give me one name, then Andrew will give me one name. We'll go back and forth until one of you stumbles. And then if you get it right, you'll get two points. If Andrew gets it right, he'll get one. So all you have to do is just give me one name of a Spur who is in the top ten list for three-pointers made in Spurs franchise history. Okay, and I'll start. Yes. Uh, Danny Green. That is correct. Andrew. Manu. That is correct. He's number one. Back to Bruno. Bruce Bowen. Bruce Bowen, number four. Back to Andrew. Uh, Patty Mills. Patty Mills, number two. Back to Bruno. Uh, let's go Sean Elliott. Sean Elliott. Number six. Back to Andrew. You've now gotten six of the ten. Oh, wait, that's five. You've gotten half. Um, Tony Parker? Tony Parker is correct. He was number eight. Back to Bruno. Um, All right. Um, Bryn Forbes. Bryn Forbes is he. On the top 10 list for three-pointers made in Spurs franchise history, he is not. Andrew gets the point. The other names, Matt Bonner, number five. Kawhi was number seven. I forget about him. Michael Finley, number nine. And Chuck Person, number 10. Uh, Chuck Person. Chuck Person. (laughs) Would have never gotten there. Sounds like a made-up name. Okay, Andrew, your turn. (laughs) Uh, Number two. Number two, we have a tie game. The Spurs won at least 50 games for 18 straight seasons, stretching back from the 99-2000 season to the 2016-17 season. During that 18-year span, there were only two NBA franchises that never had a 50-win season. And you're going to tell me both of them. I will give you one point per correct answer. So you can just throw a name out there. If you're right, you get a point. The Wizards. The Wizards is one. They won 49 in 2016-17, but never got to 50. Can you name the other they one? Haven't won, they, won 50, they haven't won 50 since the 70s. That's why. I oh, that's that true. <laughs> um, 
goodness. Okay. Let's see. Yes, go through every team out loud. <laughs> out loud. <laughs> you guys want me to see if I can name all 30 teams out loud? Um, shoot. That is really tough. Did not have a 51 season from 99 to 2017. Uh, every team I think of, I'm like, no, that's not it. No, that's not it. Well, that's why there's only two of them. Do they ha- were, were they a team the entire time? What does that mean? Like, did the team exist throughout the entire run? According to basketball reference, question. yes. I don't know why that's a dumb... That's not a dumb question. There are a lot of teams I don't know what that have. means. I don't know what you're getting at. Well, I'm talking about, like, the Charlotte Hornets. Is that your pick? That's not my answer, but, like, I'm just saying... You just like said that, it. Does that... A, I'm asking if that qualifies. That's what I'm asking. <laughs> yes, that would qualify as a, as a franchise. Okay. Okay, I'll just say the Hornets. I don't know. I really just don't know. Uh, that is correct, Andrew. It was. Uh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> they, they won 49 in 99, 2000, but never got closer than okay. that. Okay. Okay. Andrew, you're now up 3-1, but Bruno, you can get it back even right here. All right, let's go with six. Number six. The last five Spurs to make an NBA all-rookie first team, first team, David Robinson, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Kawhi Leonard, and this player. All NBA, uh, all rookie. You say all, all rookie? All yes, NBA. all rookie first team. David Robinson, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Kawhi, and this player. So I can tell you who's the last player to win uh, rookie of the month. Well, who would that be? I think it might be the same person. That's a piece of trivia that I throw out every now and then. <laughs> uh, is it Baino Udre? Beno Udre, I did not expect to hear that name. That is incorrect, unfortunately. Did he did he really win Rookie of the Month? I'm pretty sure, yes. Wow. Uh, Andrew, you have a chance to steal this. Is this Dewan Blair? Dewan Blair! No, that's not right. He did make a uh, all-rookie second team. The correct answer was yeah. Gary Neal. Gary uh, Neal. Yeah. Yes, yes. All right, that's Andrew. <laughs> it's still three to one. Number three. Number three. Which Spur holds the single-season franchise record for both defensive and offensive rebounds? There's some very obvious answers here. Maybe I'm starting Maybe to throw in obvious an, ones yeah. to throw you Maybe off. This isn't either. Specifically. Maybe this isn't either or. Also, David Robinson. David uh, Robinson. That's a great guess, Andrew. It's wrong, though. Oh, Bruno, you have a chance to steal for one point. You know, I, I could overthink this, but I'm going to go with another obvious one and be happy to lose there, and that's Tim Duncan. Well, this wasn't the week when I gave you an obvious answer because it was <laughs> Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman. Dang. That makes sense. All right, Bruno, you can tie it up right here because Andrew has not gotten any more points. It's still three to one. Which question would you Let's like? Go. Let's go with five. Okay, number five. How many San Antonio Spurs have made an all-NBA first team? So you don't have to tell me who they are. You just have to give me a number. How many Spurs have made an all-NBA first team? I feel like this is going to be lower than I expect. Um, Are you thinking double digits? (laughs) God, (laughs) Because it's lower than that. (laughs) I I appreciate the hint, though. I'm going to say three. Three Spurs to make an all-NBA first team. Did Bruno just tie the game up? Going to the last question. No, he did not. That is incorrect. Andrew, you have a chance to steal. Two. Two. 
you keep getting these ones wrong. No, go the other way. Four. George. Yeah, every, every, every time. Week. George Gervin, David Robinson, Tim Duncan, Kawhi. Should have. Kawhi. Wasn't sure about Gervin. All right. Andrew, this is the last question. Now, technically, you okay. can't lose, um, but Bruno can get a little bit closer if you get this wrong. Prior to joining San Antonio as their head coach in 1996, Greg Popovich was an assistant coach for this NBA franchise. Oh. Oh, goodness. I actually think this is the Warriors. Andrew, that is correct. And Andrew has won this week's edition of Andrew versus the Beat. GG, good game. I I, I will say I I performed terribly, but I also think I had some bad luck with the questions I picked because the, the top row would have been kinder to me. Oh. I think you're a sore loser, Bruno. That's what I think. That's... You're not. You're not wrong there, too. Andrew gets very cocky after he wins. I'll have you know, he started off this this game 0 11 and one in our first 12 you weeks. Have to mention it every week. You have to mention that every week. Took him 13 weeks to win one of these. So uh, now now he's feeling oh, all high and mighty. That's true. That's happy true. happy to give you another dub, Andrew. <laughs> Bruno, thanks so much for coming on the show. Be sure to go check out Bruno on Twitter. Go check out Pounding the Rock and everything that he's doing over there. Bruno, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Andrew, it is once again time to spin the Wheel of Fandom. And then there were four. Only four Four. teams remain. (laughs) Then we reset the wheel and spin it again. The four teams that are remaining, the Charlotte Hornets, off to a four and one start. The Blazers, who are either getting blown out or blowing another team out. Uh, the mm-hmm. Toronto Raptors, we could watch some Scotty Barnes. And the Pacers, who yeah. are also 1-4, not playing Miles Turner as much as you would think. What's going yeah, on there? So, weird. so, so weird. I would say we still have uh, four good options. Yeah, let's do so it. So let's spin the wheel. Who will be the team on the Wheel of Fandom this week? It will be the Toronto Raptors. Yes. Give me some Ooh, Raptors news. Yes. Oh, I'm excited about this. I was hoping to see some Raptors. I've been, I've been watching Scotty Barnes anyways. I feel like every time I turn on League Pass, I want to watch the Raptors anyway. So this is a, this is a good spin. Lots, lots of good Raptors people out there too. So I'm, I'm excited about this one. This one should be pretty fun. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the Saturday Slamin Jam. Be sure to follow Alex on Twitter at AlBabyCakes. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew K Schlecht. Be sure to listen to all the other shows on the Athletic NBA show and listen to the Daily Ding, which will drop five days a week. Get a recap of the night before's games, all the happenings. Uh, it's it's great all in one big feed. So please continue to listen, subscribe, leave us a five-star review. We'll read it on the podcast. And we will talk to you guys again next week.